Welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast, where we're here to help you land your dream job. So if at any time during this episode you find any value, please make sure you take a screenshot and you share it with a friend. And don't forget, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. That will mean the world. So without further ado, enjoy this episode. Welcome, welcome back to the Mastering College to Career podcast. I have an amazing episode for you today. I have Emily Milius. She's the founder and CEO of Launch Consultant. She's just a people analytics expert, and this is going to be an amazing episode. Emily and I connected on LinkedIn, very passionate about a similar topic. I was supposed to have a 15-minute conversation with her, and it turned into like almost an hour, and we talked about how analytics and doing self-assessments and how that's so crucial for students to be put into the right place to be successful. So I can come and talk about this by myself, but much better when Emily's here. So Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be with you. Emily, I am so glad you're here. Um, So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I founded my consulting company 12 years ago. I have a SHRM SCP, which is one of the highest credentials in human resources. I'm also a certified Colby consultant, an accredited Colby U specialist, which just means I have a specialty in a certain um, set of assessments. And I'm really passionate about people and getting them in the right jobs and in the right companies and the right teams. So I get the pleasure of on a daily basis working with individuals, but also companies using data about people, what their strengths are, how they best perform, so that the companies can grow and the people in those companies can grow. And then as part of that work, obviously I work on the organizational side, but I also do a lot of one-on-one coaching with high school and college students in particular, which is a a particular passion of mine, also where you and I definitely jive. Absolutely. And Emily, how did you get into this? Like, how did you start, you know, trying to help college students and helping and doing assessments both from students and uh, companies alike? Yeah. So I actually started way back in sixth grade. I didn't know it then, but my father was a member of a very well-known coaching program called Strategic Coach. And to any entrepreneurs out there, I still recommend it. Even if you're not ready to get into the program, they have free materials on YouTube, on their website, strategiccoach.com. It's awesome. So Dan Sullivan, who started the program, actually happened to be a personal mentor of mine. So in sixth grade, my dad was a part of the program. And still to this day, to be in the program, you have to take an assessment called the Colby assessment. And my dad was so wowed by it. I mean, he, he's a very successful serial entrepreneur. He's been in business for decades and he realized there was something really unique about this. And so he brought it home to my sister and myself and said, girls, you've got to do this. So way back in middle school, I got this insight that was a really big game changer. And I didn't know then, of course, the seed that was planted that would grow into something much larger. But when I was in college and, and even back in high school and we were all going through those, you know, difficult decisions of what the heck am I supposed to do with my life? What am I supposed to major in? What, where is my place in this world? And I came back to those tools and I realized that I had this incredibly unique insight, this confidence and clarity and self-awareness that enabled me to make really good decisions and thoughtful decisions about where I fit in. 
And then I saw my peers, unfortunately, struggle in that. But it was in college that I realized I have a passion for sharing this kind of insight with others. And I actually, uh, probably um, a little bit of stupidity, a lot of naivety, I started my company right out of college. Wow. So have you taken that same assessment after middle school? Okay. So what's really interesting is, so yes. So I did take the adult version when I was in high school and I still have my originals of both because at the time it was still, it wasn't online. So you had to like fill in the bubbles, like old school uh, test taking. And I still have those. But what's really unique about the Colby assessment, which is one of the things that I use, I have a lot of tools in my toolbox, of course, but this is certainly a flagship. I really believe in it. But the Colby assessment is measuring something that never changes. So every other assessment out there either measures some aspects of intelligence or personality, emotion, social style, that kind of thing. Colby is the only thing to measure how you instinctually operate, and that's hardwired. So once you take the adult version, you never, ever have to retake it. So yes, I retook it as an adult, but it's a one and done kind of thing. So especially for college students or high school students or people just starting in their career, it's the best investment I can think of because it's a very small amount of money and you get to take advantage of that insight throughout your whole career and life. Have you not been intrigued of testing it like now and say- I have. To your results? I have, so that's really interesting. So I kind of nerd out, so I'll try not to go too, too deep in the technicalities because I, uh, I really take a lot of pride in being an unbiased expert of assessments, right? I want to bring my clients the best tools out there. So I do a lot of research. I kind of look, look under the hood and I read the multi-page technical reports to really understand the data behind the data. And interestingly enough, so there's something called a test retest reliability study, which basically gets at what you're talking about, like how stable and consistent are the results over time. And most assessments, so just for comparison, like a Myers-Briggs um, is after five weeks, less than half of people have the same result. So it's, it's, it's pretty here and there. Strengths finders is good for like two months. So Colby has done a 10 and 20 year retest study and they've held in, um, in the 10 year, I think it's something like 96% have the same result. And then over 20 years, it's still in the upper 80s. So that's unheard of the assessment world. So that's, again, pretty technical talk just to say this is the real deal. The insight you're getting is, in fact, forever. And I've personally tested it out. I actually participated in their test, retest, reliability study. Uh, and I've seen the data. It speaks for itself. I've had clients retake it after 25 years because they just wanted to test it out. And they've gotten identical results. Wow. So again, this is not situational, the insights it's giving, which is why it's so powerful, because if you're making your career decision about information that's only good for a year or less, which is what most assessments, that's their sort of expiration date or time frame, how is that serving you, right? That could actually, are you willing to retake an assessment and completely overhaul your career decisions every year? I mean, that doesn't make sense. So I always say the time frame of your decision needs to match the time frame of your tool. So that's why when I'm doing any time of type of career counseling or coaching or particularly hiring decisions, I mean, this is why this is such an important tool for me because when people make career decisions, they're long-term. 
they're usually well over one year. So this is a tool that, that matches that time frame that has that insight that's going to sustain that life stage or that career decision. That's interesting. So what is, what do you mean? What is like, describe people analytics expert. Like <laughs> what does that mean? Right? Like, yeah, right? well, we're in a data world, right? So, um, human beings are often thought to be pretty mysterious, uh, creatures, right? And, and there's these words like synergy and performance and job fit and natural strengths that sound really buzzwordy and cool. And like we could put a hashtag next to it, but at, at other times it also feels very elusive and abstract. And for a long time, that was the case, right? Up until fairly recently, things like engagement, all of that, we, we talked about it, we desired it, but we didn't really know how to measure it. So Thankfully, we live in an era where almost everything is quantifiable and we have great, fairly inexpensive platforms assessments to measure that. So I'm a data geek. You probably already figured that part out, but I don't just want to live in the data. I want to apply it. I want to make people's lives better. I want to make companies better. And I am a firm believer in there being a win-win between companies and the people in them. You know, when people are in the right job, they're more satisfied, they're healthier, they have better relationships, they're more productive. Well, that's great for the company. They have a happy workforce, they have good culture, they have more productivity. So people analytics is really the data-driven insights that fuel good business and a good career. And so let's talk about that. So is it, is, what you're trying to say is that we are, we are more predictable than we think we are as humans? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm not trying to boil us down to, you know, numbers or percentages on a, on a spreadsheet. I still firmly believe that we're complex beings and we're all very unique, but there are key metrics that we can in fact quantify about ourselves and then use that information to empower us to make better decisions. And then again, for the companies that we work for to make better decisions to our benefit. Let's talk about this in a, in a college student you know, context. Yeah. Like, how does a college student learn more about themselves? You know, and what, you know, let's talk about how they can take advantage of that knowledge to position themselves in the right career. Perfect. Okay. So for me, what I always talk about with my clients is that it boils down to three things. So job fit, and this is really important. This is where I encourage everybody listening, unless you're driving your car, pull out a pen and a paper because you just need to remember these three things and you're golden. So number one is skills, AKA what you know, okay? Number two is passions, AKA why you do things. Number three is talents, AKA how you do things. So skills, passions, talents, also referred to as what you know, why you do things, how you do them. If you get those three things right, and just a disclaimer here, it's not a one out of three, two out of three thing. You have to get three out of three. You just found your ideal career. It sounds really simple, and in a lot of ways it is, but if we look around, most people aren't in an ideal career. We have horrible you know, statistics on burnout and job exhaustion and horrible mental health. So again, I wouldn't take it for granted that these things sound simple because we really have to intentionally work at them. So 
for anyone, again, pursuing that ideal career, trying to answer that question, like, what should I be? What should I do with my life? Use this framework. So start by asking yourself, what unique skills do I have? You know, get out a piece of paper, jot down, set your timer for three minutes and just brainstorm, right? What unique experiences do you have? What um, kind of skills do you have? What capabilities do you have that are unique to you? What classes do you get good grades in, right? Where are you getting rewarded? Where are you getting accolades for having specialized knowledge? And then next, what are you passionate about? So again, jot on a piece of paper. What gets you up in the morning? What, what are you persuasive about? What do you care a ton about? What do you have to go do that no one has to tell you to go do it, right? Is it the environment? Are you passionate about helping people, about animals, about finances, or for me, you know, people, right? Um, and then lastly, and this is the key part that, you know, most people stop and they only look at skills and passions. And then they, you know, we find a highly intelligent person who's really motivated still fail in the job. And that's because they're not also thinking about how they do things. So get out a piece of paper and jot down. How do you naturally solve problems? How do you approach tasks? You know, think of a time when you were on your A game where you were doing something and you were in the in your glide pattern, right? It just flowed, it was natural, you were completely free to do it your way, no one had to tell you how to do it, and the results were amazing. How did you do that? So, you know, asking yourself, did you research? Did you get a lot of data? Did you get an expert? Did you de develop a plan? Did you organize things? Did you innovate? Did you experiment? Did you build, right? How? It's your how. And by the way, Colby is that assessment that measures how, so that was a, a key part of my insight. But just wrapping that up, if, if somebody can sit down and you know, take a 15-minute exercise just to work through that, and better yet, there are instruments, right, assessments for each category that can help us measure that and really boost that insight, that has been the trifecta, if you will, of self-awareness that has really driven job fit, clarity, confidence, and will get any listener into the right career, the right company, the right spot. That, that's amazing. Those three things. And I remember this is one of the reasons why I extended our phone call is because yeah. when you were, we were talking about this, this three things, scale, passion, and talent, and which is, you know, what, why, and how I was like blown away because I remember you telling me like most people only focus on two of them and I'm yep. like, you're 100% right. It's the what and the why. The yep. how never thought about it. And yep. Let's, can you elaborate more on the how and the different examples of a, the same career using two different hows? Yeah, so let me distinguish because a lot of times yeah. people mix uh, what we call affect or emotions, personality type, and operating method. So sometimes we say something like, oh, that's just my personality, but it really isn't personality. It's a talent. It's how it's an instinctual way of taking action. So let me explain that. And just using my, my personal example. So for me personally, I value organization. I like to be organized. I prefer to be organized. I want to be organized, right? I have all good feelings about being organized. But if you go look at my desk right now, I'm not always operating in an organized way. So people can value or want or like things, but the way they operate might be different than that. So let me talk about it in the context of a career. We may have two people that are equally intelligent that got 
you know, 4.0 was all throughout their, their education. And they both are wildly passionate about helping people. But one person may need to do that in a career that's analytical, that's, that's highly uh, organized, process-driven, risk-adverse, um, abstract. And, uh, you know, so maybe they help people as a financial planner, for example, right? So you're really making a big impact on people's lives by helping them get their finances in order, which can be a major stressor if they're not, right? But you're doing it in a very detailed, expert-driven, methodical-type way, right? So then take that other person who, again, really intelligent, got all great grades, extremely passionate about helping people, but maybe they're wired completely differently. Maybe they're uh, very inventive, very hands-on, right? Detail schmetail, right? They're very bottom liner, they shortcut, they adapt. Maybe they're actually more of an inventor type person. And the way that they help people is by coming up with, with new products that can serve you know, people with disabilities, right? Maybe they're a tinkerer, inventor, um, or an animator, and they use their ability to draw and animate to, you know, wow people or cheer people up, right? So two, two similar intelligences, two um, identical passions or motivators or drivers, but, but two entirely different routes for satisfying that. And I don't think we talk enough about the hows, right? Jobs come with hows. People come with hows, right? Jobs typically, sadly, most managers don't say, hey, Daniel, any way you want to get that done, you just go get that done, right? There's certain expectations as to how you're to get to those results in your career. And we know that people have built-in hows that don't change no matter how much education or training or sticking with it. So we need to get those hows to match up. Right? We also want to get the skills and the passions to match up, but the hows have got to match up. And I, I'm on a mission to really help people understand that, identify that about themselves so that they're not feeling that they're turning them, themselves inside out to be something for a job, but rather they are equipped and empowered to find opportunities that suit them and play to their strengths. Uh, uh, that's amazing. That is so true. That, that was probably like the highlight of our conversation is understanding that a little bit deeper. So you talked about the, the Colby measures the, the talent, the how you do. Yes. Or what, how do you measure the why? How do you find your why? I think that was a big topic is students finding their why. And um, yeah. right now, like, honestly, the best way that I can tell them is read the book by Simon Sinek. Yes. Why? Yes. Um, other, other, let's talk question. about the why. Yeah, so that was gonna be my first recommendation. Yeah, so here's here's why why yeah here's why why here's the importance of why because that's the spark that starts the fire. If a person is not motivated, then it doesn't matter how they allocate their efforts, right? It doesn't matter how intelligent or capable or talented a person is. If they don't get off the couch, then it's all for naught, right? So. Tapping into your why is extremely powerful because that's going to unlock all of that potential. I totally agree. Simon Sinek's book is great. He also has a lot of materials available where you can follow him, track him. You don't even have to spend any money and get a lot of good content. I would say to reflection, you know, what is it that fires you up? You know, when there's, there's a lot of people I'm fortunate that, that people give me a lot of feedback. And what I often hear is, 
wow, Emily, you're really passionate about this. So I would say to your audience, what are people telling you? Wow. Yeah, you're really, you're really passionate about this. Take note on that. Reflect on that. Think back to even in your high school career, what was it that you volunteered to do? What projects did you just come up with without being asked to do it? And those are those clues and indicators of, you know, what really drives you to put forth your, your best efforts and really engage your, your talents and your skills at optimum levels. I, you know, I think that's one of the biggest obstacles that students face is finding their why. And there's no magic formula. And I think it also comes easier to some than others. Like yeah. my wife, smarter than I am, much better looking than I am. Um, all of the above. Like if you had like a checklist, the only thing that I would win on is I have more passion. The only, and because I have more passion, the reason is because I found my why earlier on. Yeah. And because of that, I think I had a lot of, you know, in a sense, early success in my career and everything else, because I was so focused on what I wanted to do. Like I know it because I have my passion and yet my wife is amazing at everything. Like she, she doesn't lose. Like I hate probably why I marry her is so that I don't have to go against her. And, but, <laughs> but her biggest problem is finding her why. And I think to this day, she still hasn't found her why. And I think her why has been now to try to support me because I think she's missing her why and I don't know how to help her. And I just realized that it's something that you need to find yourself. You can give you tools like the book or you can, you know, do some self assessments, but it's one of those things that you have to also put yourself out there and be open enough to experience it and let it come to you. But I just, that, I struggle like that aspect of students coming up to me and saying, Hey, I don't know. I haven't found my why is, it's tough for me. Like, I just, I'm honest. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I would say too, I think we make it, it's almost harder than it needs to be, or we put more pressure on ourselves because the, the passion part of our brain, again, it's called the affective part of the mind is in flux and that's okay. So your why can be your why for now. You don't have to find a why forever, right? I think that's why it feels enormous because we're trying to find our why that'll last for 70 years, right? It's okay to have your why for this week. What are you passionate about this week? And go pursue that. It's okay to have a why for a month, for a year, right? And, and then eventually I think you'll fall into a theme or you'll fall into a, a deeper why. But yeah, I would say... Take, take your, you know, cut yourself some slack and take off some of the pressure and just discover what is giving you a fire in your belly for right now and go with that. Do you think because the, the more you stress about it and you think uh, that finding your why is like finding your true love at first sight, like, uh, not, you know, I think it's more of a thing that it slowly grows and then you realize like maybe you go volunteer one day, like, Oh, this was fun. I'm going to come back. And then you yeah. come back and like, you know what? This was fun. I'm going to, you know, be more involved and be in a committee. And then, oh, this is fun. And then sooner or later that evolves snowball into now being president of a nonprofit instead of it being today, a, the bus came right in front of me and had a banner to go work at, ah. at Google. And that's it. I found it. 
Yeah. So that's so funny you said that because I distinctly remember praying in high school and saying, Lord, you know, this would just be a heck of a lot easier if you just spent, send the, you know, airplane with the banner behind it, right? We'll have it done. We'll call it good. I'll be done. I'll know exactly what I'm supposed to do. We'll all move on with our lives. But I realized now in maturing that the reason why I didn't get that banner is because it would have been my easy out. I wouldn't have learned. I wouldn't have known anything more about myself. I would have been given the answer. I wouldn't have grown in discovering the answer. I own my own answer now about who I am, what I do well, what I'm passionate about. It took more work, but I think it goes back to that proverb, you know, if anyone's heard the proverb, if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day versus if you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. And we're in an immediate gratification society. You know, I just, I just ordered groceries and they were at my house in two hours. You know, it's, everything is immediate. And so it can feel especially painful or almost as though we're failing, right? We put this pressure on ourselves that if we don't have those immediate answers, something's wrong with us. We're not doing it right. We didn't read enough books. We didn't go to enough places. But it's some things are a long process and that's okay because you're better for it because you learned a new life skill that will serve you throughout your whole life. And it may be rougher right now, but it, it, you will build character. You will build that long lasting sense of self and confidence that can't be taken away from you. It's not fleeting and you will come back to that and deepen that throughout your lifetime. Absolutely. So it's funny because we kind of went backwards on the talent, passion. Let's talk about skill. Okay, yeah. Well, good news. That's the easiest to change and affect. So skills, of course, you, it's great to play into those areas that you, you know, already excel, right? So if, if you've always enjoyed math and gotten great grades in math, of course, that's something to think about. Maybe you want to go into something that has to do with math, but I really caution your audience because I've seen a lot of people, again, only do one out of the three, right? They only look at the fact that they've always gotten good grades in math and they study math and then they hate all the the types of careers that come out of that, right? So you have to have the other pieces. You have to find something that uses math that you're also passionate about and plays into your way of doing things. But that's certainly something to consider, right? you know, the opposite ways, if you get horrible grades in a certain subject, you know, that's probably an indicator that that may not be where you should go, right? Maybe that's just not playing into your strengths or your aptitudes. The other thing is, though, that skills are the easiest thing to acquire, right? If you're motivated, and you're willing to put in the work and time and effort, you can go get skills that you don't have now. So I'd also say that if you feel like, man, I really want this job. I really want this kind of career. It matches, matches my passions and talents, but I don't have that degree or I don't have these kinds of experiences. No big deal. Set up your plan. Go get it, right? There's nothing stopping you. As long as you have the willingness and the, the capability and the ambition to go get those skills, go get them, right? So skills are the most... Um, again, affected or that we can affect those the most and change our experiences, our training, our background to mold it into what we want that to be to match those passions and talents that we have. I'm curious if, if this was like a step-by-step process or like things that you, the three things you need to figure out, 
shouldn't you start with talent? Absolutely. Yes. Oh, I love that you said that because that's the non-negotiable. So passions change over time, right? So do skills. We just talked about that, of course. Um, but your hard wiring for how you approach, how you were designed to solve problems and approach solutions and opportunities, that how we've talked about, right? With, with reliability testing, that is built in. So that's the part that you have got to get right, right? We have to line up that puzzle piece first. That's sort of the stake in the ground, the non-negotiable, the love it or love it kind of thing. And then we can line up the other two pieces, but you're spot on. This is this, the, the how is the thing that's not going to change over time. So we need to get a career to match up with that natural way that we do things. Yeah. I mean, I would think if, if, if I'm looking at this at a student perspective, like I need to understand how I operate, like my talent, right? Because yep. regardless of my passion, the way I operate, well, there's a way to operate it. So if, if my passion is to give back to the world, your, your example of helping, as long as I know what I'm good at, my talent, the way I operate, then yeah. I can find a way to still fulfill that passion. And then once I understand what skills I need, the skill gap between where yeah. I am now and where I want to be, then I can then learn that, go to college, get that major, get that minor, take a YouTube video, read those books. And so you can fill the, the gap. That, that's easy. That's like to the easiest part. And so I think this conversation has been amazing. I mean, it has been very, very helpful for me to look at where you should start as a student, because generally we're, we're having students start. Sometimes it's backwards. I feel like sometimes students are, are starting at skill. Like, my dad was an accountant, so I'm going to be going to school for being an accountant. So you're starting at the skill without really knowing if you operate like an accountant or if you're even passionate about it. Amen. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't blame students for thinking that way because as a society for the first 20 some years of our lives, that's all we talk about. It's all about developing skills, learning the way to do things. And we only judge people on grades, basically, right? So, but the big dirty little secret is that intelligence is only 50% accurate in predicting job better job success. So to say it another way, the smartest person is not always the most successful. And, you know, we, I actually know a lot of, I have clients that are high school dropouts, um, never went to college, had horrible grades, had really awful um, sort of rap sheets, if you will, as far as the educational system goes, but they are incredibly successful entrepreneurs and business owners and innovators and society changers. So it's really easy to get caught up in only judging ourselves from that skills piece like you talked about because that's what society is emphasizing early on. But it really gets the things out of order and it causes us to over-focus on intelligence, which is only one aspect and a limited aspect on ultimate success and performance. So interesting. So what you mean by intelligence, is that why, how, why, why IQ has always been so important? Like people are talking about because you measure intelligence through IQ. Right. So IQ is one way to measure intelligence. But like I said, it's actually limited. It doesn't have, it's not a, a, an 100% efficacy in saying, okay, so if we line up, you know, five people, 
the most intelligent person isn't guaranteed to be the top performer in the job role. I think so, now it's EQ, right? Like, so what about emotional intelligence? And how does emotional intelligence play with what we've just been talking about for the, for the podcast? Yeah, so I'm a firm believer in emotional intelligence because that's how you communicate. That's how you operate in, in a you know, human society. That's how you have teams. It's important to be mindful of others, to be in tune with others. But personality, which is sort of the larger umbrella of that, is actually a worse indicator of job fit and job performance. Personality has very little to no bearing on whether or not you're going to do a job well. And that's not my opinion. That's fact. That's research. We call that predictive validity. So a lot of the popular assessments out there, Strength Finders, DISC, 16PF, we can go on and on, which aren't necessarily bad tools, but they don't have good predictive validity. In other words, just because you score a certain personality type doesn't mean you're going to be good or bad at that job. So I know an introvert and an extrovert that have both been extremely successful in the same job. You know, I know uh, a, a wallflower and a life of the party that have been extremely successful in a job, right? Type A, type B. So even in sales, a lot of people think that salespersons need to be extroverted. That's not true. There's no data behind that. So again, I, we've, as a society, we've really overemphasized personality as somehow impacting the career in which we would thrive, but that's, it's more about the passion, right? Find, don't worry so much about, you know, what type you are in, ten, in terms of, you know, are you a lion or a bear or a bull, you know, that kind of thing, but more get at what fires you up and how do you do things, right? How do you get to that end goal? And then what skills do you need to get you there? That's the winning combination, much more so than are you dominant or those kinds of things. And I'm, I'm not trying to be hard on those kinds of assessments, but it's important that we use those tools appropriately and don't over-apply the insight. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yes. Emily, this has been amazing. Like, this conversation flew by. We're, like, we're over 30 minutes, this is, but this, I just wanted to continue talking about it. This is, this is such an important thing the students need to understand. Emily, if students want to learn more about you and connect with you, what is the best way? I would love to talk to students. That's something I am particularly passionate about, and I've spoken to over or coached over 900 students in my career so far. So I would love for them to reach out. The best way is to go to my website, launchconsulting.io slash students. They can also connect with me on LinkedIn, Emily Melius. I am always open to a casual conversation. If they have questions, if they want some advice, I love having those conversations. If they want to do a more formal coaching, that would be great too. But please just reach out. Let's get connected and let's keep having this conversation because it's too important to not keep working on. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I would highly suggest you connect with Emily. Um, it's just a whole level when you're looking at it, you know, when, what I love about Emily the most is that she looks at the data, but talks about it in a way that we can understand it. And why does, what, how does it mean? What does it mean to you and how it could change you for the better? So definitely, definitely connect with them. So Emily, this last question, this is the last question every single time students that are listening to this podcast, 
um, generally multitasking. So what is one takeaway? If they only remember one thing that you've said in this episode, what would you hope that would be? Hmm. Make your world fit in to who you are. Don't change yourself to fit into the world. Wow. Love it. Love it. Emily, you've been such an amazing guest. This has been an amazing episode. Thank you so much. And everybody listening to this podcast, catch you guys on the next episode. If you're listening to me right now, you, my friend, have made it to the end of the podcast. I want to take some time to thank you and congratulate you for being different and taking control of your career, doing things like listening to this podcast, putting yourself out there and building the experience needed to land your dream job is what's going to set you apart and not be just another statistic. So great job. Keep it up. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. Talk to you soon.